Welcome to the Think to Nick podcast, the podcast where we interview ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Our goal is to share stories and ideas about how thinking differently can shape a better future for all. Hello, guys. Welcome back to the Think and Nick podcast. We are back today with another guest. His name is Bradley Bolas. He is a data scientist, machine learning graduate, and the co-founder of a newly formed startup called Hab Labs, which specializes in common data solutions. He is also a triathlete looking for sponsorship. So anyone who is around that is keen to sponsor a triathlete, you can get hold of Brad through hablabs.com. So Brad, it's a pleasure to have you on. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. Cool. Yeah. Nicola, how are you today? You all good? I'm great. Thanks, Nick. Yep. And nice cool. to meet you, Brad. Nice to meet you too. Cool. Epic. Okay. So just to dive into things, the, the title of this episode is called Data for Your Business or the Idea of Machine Learning. So I have literally no real knowledge about data consultancy. So I'm really excited to you know, dive into this and learn about it. So Brad, can you sort of tell us what is data consultancy and how does it work? Uh, sure, yeah. So funnily enough, it's a good question to kick things off with because it's one we get a lot. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I, people, most of the time, people we lead with data consultants and their eyes have glazed over by the time we get to consultants. So it's, it's actually really simple. Rightly or wrongly so, I feel like Sometimes consultants get painted with kind of a brush where they definitely know what they're talking about, but sometimes they shift things around and there's not really any actionable plans at the end of it. So we want to be really, really clear when we define ourselves as uh, data consultants. We want to provide expert advice and professionally. So what does that mean? The expert advice would come from our experience in the field and through working with clients and through our just ongoing learning. And the professional side of things comes with the correct kind of structure with, which results in a, like a concrete action plan towards the end of our engagement. So the most important thing and the most important step in any sort of project that we take on as data consultants is understanding individual businesses' needs and wants and why are they getting hold of us? What do they need help with, with regards to their, their data? And what are they trying to, what's the goal they're trying to achieve? The business understanding is definitely really, really important right in the beginning. From there, we go into things like either consulting their in-house team as to how to set up the correct infrastructure to achieve this, or we take on the project ourselves and kind of become their outsourced data team. In a yeah, I hope I think that explains. Yeah, that's epic. I was actually I know Hab Labs has been around well for you guys are new, but I knew that you had started the business, but I actually never took a look at your website and I was actually very impressed. So make sure to take a look at hablabs.tech, guys, after this episode. Nicola, what is your experience with data consultancy and can you touch on what Brad was saying? Well, I took a look at your website, Brad, and you're in a sunrise industry. So you're in a, an area of technology where companies are all looking to try and get insights into data. 
So my view is that companies have been gathering data for years, eons, you know, through databases and clicks and interactions, but they've not really known what to do with it. And so data actually in and of itself has no value unless you do something with it. So I'd imagine that Hab Labs helps companies not only clean, cleanse their data, but also get insights because ultimately what you want to do with data is drive some kind of decision or innovation. Yeah, absolutely. Like yeah. you can make the most beautiful visualizations and you can pour over graphs all day, which we do <laughs> often. Um, but at the end of the day, we kind of present it. And if, if the overall feeling is, and now what, then we've failed. So the mm. idea is sometimes you've got to give away a bit of the design aspect just to delve into the nitty gritty of what's actually going on and what mm -hmm. the next important kind of step is. Yeah. So when, when I think of your business model around data, you've got that thing called the executive dashboard. Yes. Right. So how about telling us what that is? Yeah, sure. So let's use the example of the Think and Nick podcast. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> we like so, you more already. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. I hope I'm helpful. So we would sit with you and say we'd come to an agreement that the main goal this year is to drive as many viewers as possible and as much engagement with your podcast recordings on all platforms. So let's say we say that's the goal. First thing we need to do is find where the sources of your data are coming from. So we uh, use things like YouTube, Google Analytics, maybe if you have websites, clicks and engagements on Instagram, things like that. So we collect the, the data from the source mm -hmm. and we connect them into a database, where, which is basically just a store for your data. And from there, we can begin collecting historical data over time and analyzing what trends have happened. So maybe last year viewership was down, why? Or engagement was really high after a certain podcast, why? Then from there, we'd look at what kind of content are you putting out? Who are you partnering with? Are you running any ads on your podcast? Things like that. And we'd come up with a solution or at the very least an idea of a solution. What's the next step? Do we need to pour money into ads? Do we need to try and look at a different avenue for who you're bringing onto the podcast, things mm -hmm. like that? And to answer your question, in terms of the executive dashboard, we collect that onto a business intelligence tool like Google Data Studio or Metabase. There's hundreds out there. And basically, that's just a platform that allows you to easily visualize, interpret, and analyze those trends in the form of graphs, pie charts, tables, things like that. Ah, okay, cool. So just to backtrack a little bit, you did mention quite a bit about data analytics. So for the listeners who don't know what that is, could you explain exactly what data analytics are and how you use them? Yeah, sure. So data analytics is essentially just extrapolating or understanding the trends from your data previously and understanding what you can do with that data in the future. We like to split up the idea of data analytics into two sections. So it would be descriptive analytics, which is essentially looking at your historical data, like I mentioned now about uh, the Think and Nick podcast 
views in the past, engagements in the past, things like that. And then prescriptive analytics, which is basically, okay, so what? What are we going to do next? Yeah. And the prescriptive analytics are also the things I mentioned earlier about maybe looking into ads, things like that, changing up the content. Okay, so cool. the most important thing to take away from that question would just be the two different aspects we look at, looking in the past and then where we're going in the future. Yeah, so <laughs> you, you take these analytics, but obviously... I, I'm interested. What if you are dealing with like a startup business or a startup mm. client who doesn't have a lot of data analytics or information about, about their business? Yeah, so it's a, it's a good question. And it's something we've come across too. Sometimes clients will come to us and just say, look, we have got a fantastic idea, but we really need to set up the infrastructure that we can benefit from what kind of data we're going to receive when we go live or when we start scaling and things like that. So we can start making proactive decisions rather than reactive decisions. So what we would do then is another one of our products, which I'm sure we'll get into later, is called a data infrastructure setup. And essentially that's setting up a pipeline from the data source itself into a warehouse, which would collect this data over time securely and then into the BI tool, which you're able to visualize and interpret your data easily. So we set up the whole infrastructure that these businesses that don't necessarily have all the data they need now, they can start collecting it. And then most importantly of all, they won't lose it if they leave a tool like Google Analytics or if they change their website or if they use another social media platform. That information usually gets lost, but if it's collected in a warehouse safely and securely, and they've got the historical data from the minute the business started. That's cool. Yeah. Got any ideas though, Nick? Yeah, well, I'm just thinking like, <laughs> should, should we start now? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because most people start when, when after a period of time, but you know, starting now the proactive way sounds like the best option. Let's. I want to ask yeah, about yeah, go the for solution it. there, Brad. So if you took your the data infrastructure setup, and you did that with a startup. Mm -hmm. There's a fee, I think, is it $2,000 on your website? Uh, yes, but that's kind of just the starting point, depending on the complexity and how much time it's going to take to set up and yeah, how in depth you want it in that. Case. That goes up to 10, 20, $30,000. It can be, yeah. So that's, that brings me to my next point is that a corporation with a lot of data probably has the means, but a startup ideally should be going on this path to begin with, but doesn't necessarily have the means. Yes. So yeah, that's for sure a sticking point. So the reason why we, it was a bit of a toss up. Uh, so I have uh, two founders with me. So we spend mm -hmm. lots of time just arguing with each other as you should. <laughs> and the, one of the things we discussed at length was including uh, prices into our websites. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of our competitors don't for the very reason that uh, we're speaking about now where you kind of want, it's very, the nature of our business is very variable depending on complexities and times. Mm -hmm. So we included it because we got irritated every time we went on a site and we didn't know how much it cost. Yeah. I, which I, don't, know, I don't know if the two of you have ever found that it's so annoying where you yeah, yeah. go into a site find a really cool company, interesting idea, and all you want to know is just the ballpark of how much it's going to cost. So for that, that's the ballpark to begin with, but we speak and to startups, and if they don't have the means, 
we open to working with them and pulling up from a lower rate and working up to that the future there recruiting. You there okay. you go, Nick. Don't say I never got you some discount. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's you it. The friend discount on top of that, too. Yeah, the friend, the mates, the mates, mates rates. Mates <laughs> rates. <laughs> Fantastic. Yeah. So, and, and that's just a flat fee, hey, Brad, before before you upsell. So the, the fee on the website's a flat fee, or is it recurring like every Yeah, month? at the moment, that's actually retainer. The oh, reason, okay. yeah. So the reason is, is that it's such an ongoing process and it takes a while. Yeah. We'd like it to be done in a week, but the reality of it is it just isn't. The more complexity you add to it, so the more kind of data sources you add to it, the more securely you want to maintain your IP, the larger your workforce when you start scaling, the complexity of just the whole infrastructure end to end just changes. So we can't really account for it with an upfront free at the moment. So that's why we kind of took away it monthly, yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, I before we dive into the next question, I just mm -hmm. want to let everyone know that if you are finding this content valuable, please don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, and share. And also don't forget to follow Brad at hablabs.com. So I did note I did um, mention this in the introduction that you are a graduate of machine learning. And I'm very interested into understanding what this concept is. So can you briefly explain the concept of machine learning and how it pertains to business? Yeah, sure. I mean, we could be here for hours, but I'll give you <laughs> a short, short version. Machine learning and AI are, are kind of two phrases that get thrown around a lot at the moment. But essentially, it's as basic as teaching your or training your computer via algorithms to interpret trends in data over time. So what does that mean? The best way to explain it, I guess, is another example. Let's say you've got a, a marketing company and you've been charged with, you've got an X amount budget to get the results you need for your client. You don't want to shoot out your content to just anybody. Maybe you want to segment the customer base. So something called customer segmentation. Yeah who are the correct people to be targeting your content to, to get the best results for your company that's employed. So an example of machine learning would be, uh, you would get the data, so it can be structured or unstructured data. Structured data is just data in a table, like labeled data and unstructured is non-labeled non data. And you would train this algorithm on historical data from the past on different customers. That data would be labeled. So I know, I hope I'm not losing you yet. But when I say labeled, I mean, you would know whether that customer has completed the goal you wanted, i.e. clicked on a post or filled a cart or purchased an item. So you would take this completed data set from the past, would train your algorithm on it, and it's actually able to distinguish the patterns in that data, i.e. clump different customer segments together. So you would know that one customer segment is around the age of 40 to 45. They've got a median income of $100,000, let's say. They've got dependents, so maybe they've got children. Maybe even they've got insurance. And you get all this information from things like Google Analytics or forms that are filled up on your site. And essentially, it's just 
speeding up the job of a data analyst with interpreting patterns in this data that humans wouldn't be able to do because there's just too much data. I see. So from okay. there, you can use that machine learning algorithm, segment your customer base, and better target the customer base with your marketing efforts. Okay, and you, you touched on algorithms a lot there. Do you guys yeah. uh, co yeah. do you co no do you code the algorithms yourself, or is it used in the tools that you use? Uh, so at the moment, we are just running these algorithms locally. So okay. uh, to take a back step, we myself and my other founder uh, Luke Luke Herbst. The two of us did a, a graduate degree here in Saigon in a, at a coding university, which was a machine learning graduates course. And basically, we got just taught just the basics of how to clean, interpret, and set up your data for an algorithm, and then to run it through the algorithm. And then the final step is to present that to a client. What is the machine told us is the best action? So at the moment, we are running those algorithms locally. And then we put the results into a very simple web app, which is like easy to view and use sliders on and play with. And that's just in your browser. That's okay. cool. So can I throw a, a spanner in the works? Sure. So if you so date what you've spoken about is data sets. So it's yes. certain each point of I guess, activity, I do something and it relates to something else and that becomes a data set. What happens in the world of research? So I'll give you an example. There's quantitative research and qualitative research. There's no surprises there. And I'll give you a live example. I've captured strategy output for, from workshops for probably 20 years. So they're typed up in documents and they've mm -hmm. got time stamps, date stamps, and they've got words, like strings of words. That's data. Mm -hmm. But what could you do with that? I mean, so, isn't that just random? Does, does data like that have any value to a business? Absolutely. So, so the, the interpretation of text is a whole field of machine learning called NLP, like natural languaging processing, natural oh, wow. language processing. Mm -hmm. And that is machine learning in itself. So you could do something, for example, if I'm understanding you correctly, pay, people write down notes or their feelings on how a strategy session went. Is that correct? Well, it's, I mean, it's all the strategies as well as the okay. feelings. Yeah. So let's just say, for example, you wanted to have a look at how or what the sentiment was around a certain meeting. Was it positive, neutral, or negative? Mm -hmm. This is a very, very basic explanation. It does get mm -hmm. more in depth. But you could set up a machine learning algorithm to use, it basically trains, it's got a pre-trained model from loads of text throughout the internet that it's saved mm -hmm. in the library. And it would train the algorithm on your comments from your meeting and test it against that algorithm to define sure. whether certain comments were positive, neutral, or negative. And then wow. you could get an understanding of the overall sentiments around a certain meeting or strategy session, what it was like. Mm. So Nick, what would you try and get done? I would use uh, six thinking hats. <laughs> around the session. Edward de Bona, Six Thinking Hats. I've just been reading the book. It's, it's very, very, very interesting concept in how 
meetings and stuff should be conducted and oh, yeah. should also be taught in schools. We've actually done an episode on Six Thinking Hats, so make sure to check yeah. that out. So Brad, now you did say there was heaps of softwares that people use, but just briefly, can you just touch on the ones that, that you guys use in your business? Uh, yeah, sure. So this is probably for all the nerds out there. But the, we split up our, our business into kind of three wings. And the first wing is business analytics, which is pretty simple stuff, just collecting your data and then visualizing it straight, connecting it from things like Google Analytics, Facebook ads, Instagram ads, LinkedIn, YouTube, things like that. Yeah. And then we would visualize it in BI tools. So BI tools, like I mentioned earlier, business intelligent tools. The tools that we use mainly is an open source one called Metabase and another one called Google Data Studio, which is kind of a free tool that Google has provided us with. And both allow us to visualize or interpret your data. The second wing of the business is the data infrastructure, which I mentioned earlier. And for that, we use a warehouse to collect and safely store your data. At the moment, we're using Google BigQuery, so we're big Google fans. And, have <laughs> uh, and we also use Amazon Redshift, so that's the Amazon equivalent of BigQuery. It's like a warehousing tool. And we use a, a variety of tools to connect the data sources to that warehouse, Airbyte and Hevo for that. And then... We visualize it in the BI tools at the end, like I mentioned earlier. And then finally for machine learning, our machine learning is at the moment, we're just coding it ourselves with Python. So that's the language that we learned. We are learning a little bit of JavaScript and C at the moment, but in the beginning stages. So Python's the main packet we use. We run it locally and then we put it into simple web apps in two tools. One's called Flask and the other one's called Streamlit. So it's basically just quite an easy way to visualize what we've run locally. And when I say run locally, I just mean on your own laptop. Okay, cool. Yeah, so that's for all the people who do wow. data consultancy and data analytics. Yeah, I mean, I don't know any of those, but if I was ever to do that, thanks, Brad, for that, for those just recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. So Just I as love... a thought, Nate, maybe we can get a couple of images from Brad and yeah. share them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Because I think when you think data, it's like, what does it look like before you start, random? And what does it look like when you get to see it? We've, got, we've got like quite a, a basic picture from end to end, what it means. Yeah. So if you got lost along the way, we can just show you what the pipeline is. Yeah, that's actually, that's actually a really good idea. So for the listeners, you're going to have to jump on YouTube to have a look at the um, <laughs> image content. So I love asking this question. And the reason why is because you learn so much from each guest every time you ask it. And I want to know what were the biggest challenges that you faced when starting up the business? Your lots. I'd say the biggest one. So we're pretty confident that we've got a good idea. We feel like well, our whole kind of mission was to meet the needs for data solutions around the world. And a data solution can be as simple as sorting someone's spreadsheets all the way through to enterprise level stuff. So it can get from very basic to complex. So we feel like with just the amount of data and the need for it, and Nicola, you mentioned it's a sunrise space. Mm -hmm. So we feel like we're onto the right idea, but 
it's the hard part is how to refine our products in order to increase our customer utility in the best way we can. So what I mean by that is how do we make a product that helps people the most, essentially. So we've gone through a couple of iterations of that. We did some work with uh, some marketing firms. We were very like marketing orientated, executive dashboard orientated. And now we've moved to the more data infrastructure setup. And we're actually looking to work with early stage startups that are funded by VCs. And essentially the idea at the moment is to work with the VC and the startup pre-seed to try and raise their valuation by setting up a data infrastructure for them before they get funding. So yeah, all about refining the product. I mean, there's also things like living in Vietnam has its own challenges. It's been great for us because costs are pretty low, which is good. Mm. We've got a nice uh, network of really, really talented developers here in Vietnam. But like just the day-to-day simple stuff, like setting up your emails with a different domain like name or registering for tax back in South Africa, finding office space. So there's never really a dull moment, but it's exciting. It's cool. And I guess that's what the draw is to setting up your own kind of startup or your own business. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. I mean, I, I did actually want to say something, is that the, the point you've just made, Brad, about getting into a niche of going for venture capital and seed, the pre-seed, means that it almost answers the question that I had earlier. It's like when you can afford the data, you've got, you wish you'd started sooner, but you really need to start this. Like Nick, you've got, you've got a startup going. It's like, this is the time to get the data going because then in a couple of years, you'll have massive insights and data, which will enable you to scale and tip your business in a, the right direction because you end up with some predictive analytics and things like that. But it's like catch 22, when you need it, you can't afford it. It's a bit yeah, like life, yeah. yeah. Uh, luckily, like most of the startups that we kind of encounter, they are all a bit younger and they're mm-hmm. all quite like tech savvy anyway. So we don't have to convince them on the need for it, which I guess yeah. is the, the major like stumbling block usually. But you're right, it is a cash flow too. It's almost like you can have a business at both ends of the scale. One is pre-seed, VC, let's get them while you're green shoots. And the other is when you've got a forest, when there's just, you can't see the wood for the trees. Mm. So I'm thinking, you know, we do, I do some work in strategy and I've done a lot of work in the retail space. when and these are large listed businesses when you think of the volume of data that they have it's vast it's enormous and and they're now starting to a point and i don't quite understand the difference between the roles but data analysts which i'm assuming is the analytics collect piece and then data scientists Hmm. so what's the 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 difference Yeah, so the the way we got explained in our graduate degree was essentially a data analyst would be someone at the bottom, not at the bottom of the rung, because you can get, (laughs) you know know what I mean? You can get get to a high level of competency being a data analyst, and it's a very, very important role of most of our business is built on it. 
but essentially that would be your analyst that's able to clean, interpret, and work through data and understand trends in it. So that would be an analyst. A data scientist would work, would be kind of one step up on the ladder mm-hmm. and essentially work with, okay, what are we going to do next? And work with the data engineer who's the person in charge of setting up the infrastructure like your warehouses or your data pipelines. Okay. So that would be like the interim step. And then the final one would be actually something called a data engineer, which everybody's trying to hire at the moment. And in that one, unfortunately, you do the job of a data scientist and a data engineer, but you get paid the same. But essentially, this person would be in charge of what we're trying to do too, which is being in charge of the infrastructure. The, if you're querying a database, you're trying to pull data from your company's database. Mm-hmm. They're in charge of anything breaks down, they have to fix it, or they have okay. to set, set it up in a way that it's easy to work with for people who are maybe not tech savvy or don't use data all the time, if that makes sense. So those would be the three kind of distinctions. Okay. So there's obviously three of you in the, in the organization. Yeah. Do each one of you do a different role? Uh, at the moment, we all do a bit of everything, which I think yeah. is, it has its pros and cons. Like it's maybe a bit slower, but we all are learning how to do that for when we start scaling a little bit and bringing other people on. And then we can divide from there. I would say that I would be more in the project manager kind of role at the moment. Luke would be more tech heavy. So he is our developer. And then Dan Anderson, our third partner, he's, he's more in charge of financial analyst, uh, analytics, sorry, and web development too. So he interprets, we currently working with people back in South Africa on like an investment calculator tool. So he's in charge of that, the investment side of things. And also obviously working with the data and analyzing the data too. Okay. Awesome. So what advice, I'm going to split this question into two, but what advice would you give to, first of all, individuals who would want to start an agency? And then the second question I was going to ask is what advice would you give to organization? Actually, let's answer the first the first question first, and then we'll get to the next one. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, it's, so, it's so difficult to not sound cliche when you're answering this because so many people have answered it already. But uh, everyone I've listened to and how I've formulated my idea has been said before. I think the most important thing for me is finding the right founder or the right mentor because the amount of time we spent in each other's kitchens on laptops or on the floor till late hours, kind of like working on product development or just bouncing philosophies off each other or deciding on the direction of the business or dealing with like a difficult client. If, if you don't enjoy spending time around those people and most importantly, if you don't respect their opinion, I, I don't see a way that it's going to end happily for you. So yeah, I've been very, very lucky with Luke and Dan. And then the second thing, which I alluded to a little bit earlier, is find something or find a problem that you think is still going to need to be serviced in 10 to 15 years. So we alluded to, and Nicola alluded to, just how much data there is in the world right now. And we really, really feel that 
yes, it's a very competitive market. Lots of people are doing what we do. We really, really feel that it's still going to be a problem in 10 years. It's just going to be a different kind of problem that needs solving. Mm-hmm. So those two things, something that's going to be around for a while, something that everyone uses every day, and then finding the right people to work with, like a mentor or a co-founder. That's great advice. Thank you, Brad. And then the second half of the question I wanted to ask mm-hmm. was, what advice would you give to organizations who currently don't analyze their data? Uh, message Ad Labs. No. <laughs> That's yeah, right. I'm joking. It's a, yeah, I mean, it's a pretty obvious answer for me. I would say try and get someone to either consult with you or to give you an idea of what you can do with your data. Because I think a lot of companies, they know they have data. They know that there is something to be made from it. There are trends to be analyzed and there are decisions to be made from it. They're not really sure what the right way to go about it is and or they just don't have the time. They've got a million things that they're doing on the day to day. And unfortunately, data just gets pushed further and further down the checklist. Mm -hmm. So I'd say it is really important. I'd say look into people like us that can help you with your problems or at least just sit down and have a chat and maybe you don't know what you don't know. Maybe you, you could leverage your data more and profit from it more. That would be my advice. Just, I mean, on that, Brad, what organizations don't do is spend money on something that isn't on the budget. And I think what's happened in big companies is data has not been on the budget. It's not been a line item in your profit and loss statement. So because of that, people now have to motivate to try and get that into their budget. And if you don't get it, it, you know, years ago, it used to be rent, software licenses, salaries, and now it's things like license fees because you don't pay rent any longer. It's professional services because you don't pay salaries any longer. And it's not just license fees, it's data fees. It's almost like you yeah. need to add it as a cost item into your budget. Hundred percent, and that's and that's all about the education. That's all about just mm-hmm. letting people know what it is we do and what it is you can do. Because then mm-hmm. maybe it does become a line item, like you said, and then people start paying more attention to it and monitoring yeah. it, and upgrading it, and things like that. And it would be really great if you had some kind of ROI tool. So. You know, if I'm spending $2,000 a month on data, how do I know I'm making money from that? So that so, comes in, yeah. So that comes into our, uh, what I was saying earlier about the business understanding. That's why that part is so important because for, for your ROI, it's, uh, sometimes it is sales, sometimes it is monetary, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's things like viewership on a podcast. And if you're very clear and definitive on what that metric is, mm-hmm. then it's easy to deliver you an ROI because mm-hmm. you can then go from before and after, before you started analyzing your data, before you started mm-hmm. looking at the trends to after what's your viewership now, this is what you paid for it in the interim, and this is what you're looking to benefit from in the future. So it, it is possible to do. It's just so important to definite and define on what that that kind of like goal is what what constitutes value yes exactly yeah Mm -hmm. and value today isn't just profit it ultimately ends up there in a business but value is also 
about impact, sustainability, engagement. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Brilliant. Awesome. awesome. Epic Next. insight. Cool. Oh. Well, Brad, before we let you go, can you let the listeners and viewers know where can they look for you? Where can they find you in any social media platforms that might not be on the screen now? Yeah, anyway. sure. 100%. So we, um, you can look for us on Hablabs, www.hablabs.tech. You can find us on LinkedIn too. That's kind of where we're operating out of mainly. And yeah, that's about it. You can, inf uh, you can email us on info at hablabs.tech too. And we're coming out with the final iterations of our sites, which should be going live soonish. So yeah, we'll repost about that. But those are our kind of main avenues at the moment. Fantastic. Yeah. Exciting stuff. And also don't forget uh, to check out the, the Thinking Fund on Instagram. It's a nonprofit and it's a great initiative. So don't forget to check that out. And also don't forget to like, follow, share, <laughs> subscribe to the Thinking Nick podcast if you found value in this episode. Brad, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Thanks for having me on, guys. Nice to meet you, Nicola. Nice to see you again, Nikki. Fantastic, brother. <laughs> All the best, eh? Cheers. Cheers, Brad. Nice to meet you. Take care. Bye. For more news and content about Thinker Nick, go to www.thinkernick.com or visit our Facebook or Instagram pages at Thinker Nick.